Hello and welcome to the Learn From Patient Safety Event Service podcast. This is one in a series of podcasts that you can find available online. Today we're talking to our reporting lead to NHS England. Uh, they will be assisting organisations transitioning from the old national reporting and learning system to the new Learn From Patient Safety Event Service. And we hope to gain some of the key messages in relation to the transition. So just a round of introductions. I am Hugh Archibald. I'm the product owner for the Learn From Patient Safety Event Service and my pronouns are he and him. Hello, I'm Lucy Massett. My pronouns are she and her and I am the senior product owner and the project lead for the LFPSC project. Hi, my name is Vanda Williams. I'm a, a user researcher and a reporting lead for the LFPSC uh, project and my pronouns are she and her. Hi, I'm Zara Kasmi. My pronouns are she and her. I'm the reporting lead for NHSC for both NRLS and LFPSC. Thank you for the introductions. It might be helpful if you could provide a bit of background of your experiences um, prior to the Learn for Patient Safety Events Service starting your roles in NHS England. Um, Zara, would you like to start? Sure, thanks, Hugh. Um, so my background is in patient safety at trust level um, for about 10 years, and I've worked in various roles um, and CCG level as well. And that's helped me to, um, in, in my role today, to enable me to bring that knowledge into the, how incidents are reported, the form designs, governance structures and processes. Great, thank you. And Mandy? Hi, yep. Um, uh, my background, I'm a clinician by background. I have, I'm a, a nurse and a midwife. Um, and I've been working in um, patient safety for a number of years um, within maternity um, and also my background as well is um, assisting with developing IT systems, um, hence why I'm involved on the user research elements um, of the project um, and also the compliance process with the local risk management system providers. It's great to have you on the podcast for this session um, and hopefully we're going to cover uh, loads of really useful information for providers um, so it's be a really practical session in terms of what people um, can be thinking about doing um, when they are trying to get ready for and start on the journey to connecting to LFPSE. So on that note our first question for you is what would you say are the key steps for a provider to connect to the LFPSE? Right, so I think first of all, um, I think it's important to get in contact with your local risk management system provider to understand whether they are compliant, first of all, with LFPSC and what their timeline is for um, rollout of this within within your organisation. So I think that's probably the first step. Um, I think it's really useful for you to get a background and an understanding of what LFPSC is. So um, we have um, we're just in the process of organising some drop in sessions uh, for organisations that are looking towards transitioning. So um, we'll be advertising those on our NHS future platform. Um, so please come along to one of those and we can talk in more detail about what the steps are um, and how we can support you with implementation. Um, also on the features platform, there's lots of resources there. There's a, a previous um, Q&A video um, talking about transition over to LFPSC. So that's quite a good introduction overall to get a feel for it. Um, because LFPSC has been running for a while, um, it may be that there are other organisations that have submitted patient safety events into the system that actually belong to your organisation. 
um, it is helpful for you to register and access our LFPSE web application where you'll be able to see if there's any patient safety events already submitted for your organisation that you need to review. Um, and really, the, the key thing then is to get um, the LFPSC into your local risk management test system. So by all means, um, speak to them about where, the timeline for that. Um, also, you can get all of the questions um, from us, uh, the taxonomies. Um, so you can get for a feeling for the workflows. Once you've got it in your test system, we would really appreciate your feedback um, in terms of uh, how the question flows are working. So that would be for your local risk management system and the actual questions and answer options and guidance text um, for us um, as well, because this system is very much built with users in mind. So we really, really value your feedback on all of that. Um, once you've actually got it into your test system and you've had a good play around with it and familiarised yourselves with it, it's helpful for us to, to get a couple of test records sent through um, and we can validate those for you, just check everything's all coming through as we would expect. Um, and really, once, um, once you've done all those steps, it's about getting organised to, to getting live. So any training or communications and awareness that you need to do, um, and settle on your go live date if you can let us know when that is um, and then a week or so before you're going live um, you'll need to apply for what we call an API key um, with ourselves so get in contact with the help desk about that basically it's a very simple process it is just you requesting for a unique ID key um, that you will put into your local risk management system um, that will allow you to link up to LFPSC. And we need that, if we can get that about a week before you go live. And then you can get up and running um, uh, on your go live date. Um, and we'll just check that all the records are coming through as we would expect. Um, and obviously we're on hand all the way through to answer any questions that you may have. Great, thank you, Mandy. So in summary then, so the first step is check to see if your local risk management system is compliant um, and we can post the website where we have the compliant vendors listed. Then register for an account to make sure that you can view records within um, LFPSE on the online form. Then get the taxonomy into your, into your risk management system, into your test system. Start to look at your question flows. The NHSE reporting needs are on hand to assist with how that can look. Um, and then register for a, um, a a start date with the um, reporting leads and then a week before you go live um, you get your API key and we do some testing of uploads. Perfect thank you thank you Hugh. Great that's excellent thank you very much and we also ask that everyone has their um, the LFPSE taxonomy into their test system by the 31st of March 2023 so if um, you need any assistance with that please do reach out to us via our help desk email. Um, when we were talking about the getting the API key that week before you go live and then when you go live, what's the um, uh, process by which we stop uploading to the NRLS and transfer, if we transfer records to the LFPSE, how does that work in real terms of what we consider open incidents within a trust's organisation? Um, so there will be a whole process to um, obviously up to the go live date um, with in terms of the um, NRLS um, 
uploads. So in, I'd say firstly, um, the records that are in the LRMS prior to going live um, with LFPC will not be transferred over. Um, and that's crucial for trust to know that because those um, incidents up until your go live date will need to be um, the open instance will need to be updated and re-uploaded to the NRLS. Um, we haven't changed our advice in terms of um, to ensure that you regularly update um, your instance on a monthly basis. We also have a um, the annual cutoff date at the end of May, which will be May 2023, um, to submit all your instances that have fallen between April 2022 to March this year. That will still remain the same, so please continue to upload those. So in terms of your SIs and never events are recorded on your system um if they're if they're still open on the previous system um and you go live um what we would recommend you do is um transfer that over to the lfpsc and again um not to go into the sort of details now but we are on hand how to explain that your vendors will also explain how they uh, you can transfer those and upload those to the lfpsc so you continue to have access to them We'd also say that if you have any learning from your SIs, your previous SIs and never events to submit those to the LFPSC so that we have any, there's any national learning that you'd like to share with us, then that'd be warmly welcome. Um, and I think the crucial message is that try to close as many as you can um, on your NRLS system, um, update them. And then when you go live, you've got a fresh um, stream of instance to report the ones that are open like i said if they're the si serious instance um never events then please transfer them over um to the lfpsc which will be a copy and paste job but it won't be a difficult task to do brilliant thank you um so we've mentioned several times that people should contact the help desk um for uh support with this process can you tell us a bit about the kind of support that you are offering Thanks, Lucy. So we have a number of routes um, where we're hoping that will provide the support to ease the transition for um, to LFPSC, and that includes um, further drop-in sessions. So last year um, through the summer, we held a number of them um, for trust to sign up to, and we're hoping to continue those um, shortly. So please sign up to those. Um, we're there as a reporting lead to fully support you to your go, go live dates up until September. We have the help desk, as we mentioned a few times, so please um, email us there. We also welcome any feedback that you may have um, to the transitions um, process or even in terms of the, um, the the test systems that you have. Um, wherever you feel that you want to contact us about, please do let us know. Um, we're here to help you. It's also the NHS Future platform and there's plenty of resources available on there and we'll provide details later of how you can access them. Great. Thank you, Zara. And um, when we speak around um, some of that uh, technical support, that the, the way in which LFPSC and NRLS um, interact nationally are different, aren't they? So the, the connections are um, different. So we, we use APIs with LFPSE. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk us through, Mandy, perhaps the difference between the um, connections from the NRLS to LFPSE, please. Yeah, sure. So I think the, the, the key difference between um, NRLS and NFPSE from a technical level um, is that NRLS very much relied on um, having mapping of your local questions um, to the old NRLS. Um, and then over a period of time, maybe once a month, you would do um, a bulk upload of that data to come across to LFPS, uh, sorry, to come across to NRLS. Um, obviously, that in that in itself, 
um, was problematic um, in the sense of there was quite some delays between incidents occurring um, and them actually being um, sent over to the national team for, for their uh, purposes. Um, and also the mapping locally um, causes some issues um, in relation to if we needed to make any changes from a national level. It was very difficult to implement those changes because it was also mapping needed to be carried out as well. So with LFPSC, um, what we have is um, an application programming in interface. Um, and basically what that means is it's a, a two-way um, line essentially between um, your local risk management system and the LFPSC service um, and what that means to the end user is actually when they're in the local risk management system and they're submitting their patient safety event when they click save and it's saved locally it also transmits straight away on a single individual record basis across to LFPSC in real time. So that means the national team get to find out this information as and when it's being entered. Um, that's fantastic for, for us in terms of us being able to access that information um, for national purposes. Um, what it also does is it allows you, whenever you go back into your record locally and you update that record, you answer further questions about potentially the investigations that you've done, the learning that's uh, happened with yourselves locally. When you submit all of that, that also goes up to LFPSC and the national team. Um, and we are looking at using um, what we call machine learning within LFPSC. So this two way communication I was explaining to you about, um, it obviously transmits that information up to the national team. It also returns back um, and lets you know, first of all, on the data quality side. So it will tell you whether there's any personal identifiable information as you record in the record, um, or if there's any um, potential um, dodgy data that you're entering in, it will flag those up. Um, so it will hopefully improve the data quality with the actual recorder themselves. Um, and we have got a new project um, ongoing for um, a machine element, uh, machine learning element, where it will review the free text that is being submitted to LFPSC, um, and it will do what we call topic analysis. So it will look at all of that text and highlight potential topics of things that you're actually discussing within the description. Um, and if you confirm, yes, those are the areas that I am talking about, um, it can potentially give you some insights and really helpful insights like, for example, um, previous uh, good care that's been undertaken in this area, guidance, documentation. And so it allows that um, learning opportunity to happen there and then with the recorder or if anybody's updating it or reviewing it they also get information there and then at the same time so i think those are probably the key differences um with, with the systems thank you and um and the, the really important thing about having that two-way api that um shares information instantaneously is the the technological technological advance means that we can um, make it safer for patients in real time rather than having to wait for that 
month um, for the upload. Our clinical review team are able to review the events as they as they occur and identify those new and underrecognized risks and employ some of that machine learning um, to be able to help identify those. We actually have a uh, machine learning podcast um, coming up soon. We are due to record it with uh, Marcos um, and we look forward to, to posting that one. So we'll go into more detail about the machine learning if you'd like to know more. And given there are all these differences between the two systems and the way that providers can connect to them, um, we've got a few connections under our belt now. Um, what would you say you've learned from this first round of getting people hooked up to the new service? It's been a really interesting process um, listening to the trusts that have transitioned and what usually happens once they go live, um, we give them a bit of time for them to submit and get used to the, the system. Um, and then we will have a follow-up call with them to discuss any issues they have experienced, um, any hiccups you know, relating to training, the system, the questions, what the st staff have provided feedback for, and how we can then take it forward. Um, as we say, we, we're really keen on the feedback because that will then obviously help us to design that um, the future versions that we have. So, and it's also interesting to know where, you know, to ask the question at that point, whether there's been a change in the submission rates. You know, a, a lot of people may say, well, it's a new system. So, you know, our rates are gonna fall. And interestingly, that hasn't been the case. So it's been really interesting having these conversations. We also do go back and um, raise any data quality um, questions that we may have um, discovered in our data um, so that we can work together and see how we can improve the system. So overall, not as bad as um, they certainly had thought, had anticipated. It's been really positive. Um, certainly the meetings I've attended, um, We've inquired about the training requirements and, and they've said minimal, really. Um, so nothing that's been overwhelming in terms of resources um, and time to implement that across the trust. Um, there have been the LRMS workflows that have needed some user experience improvements um, and to note that each vendor have adapted the question flows to their own versions. Um, so we do go through, that's quite an interesting difference as well, seeing how the vendors have um, you know, presented the questions for, for the um, trusts. Um, and at NHSE, we also need to evaluate the use of all the questions to streamline the recording form as much as possible. And that's where also the feedback helps us decide, and then as mentioned, um, to decide the future versions um, and what they will look like. So yeah, it's been a really positive experience and it's really helpful. And we'll talk a bit more about other trusts as well, but it's it's definitely good to um, hear, hear the feedback firsthand. Fantastic. That's really great to hear. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. And some of that feedback comes from ICBs um, and how um, the transition affects them. So what does the transition actually mean for ICBs? Yeah, so um, I think there's been a couple of stages in terms of uh, the impact uh, on ICBs. So in the first instance, um, so yeah, primary care moved across um, to LFPSC about 18 months ago, July 2021. Um, so they've been supporting um, primary care with that transition for, for quite a while now. Um, and um, the other aspect, the other step that the ICBs have been involved in is obviously PSERF um, now. So there's quite a lot of changes around their remit um, with uh, patient safety recording and investigations and things like that. And they're, they're obviously going through those steps at the moment. What we've been doing recently with ICBs is um, some of them have got in contact with us and asked us to 
um, conduct some training sessions with primary care to promote it in their area. Um, so we've um, done some videos and we're just about to upload uh, those to the Futures platform um, so people uh, from ICBs can share that with primary care to help them. Um, we are also, also developing a comms pack um that that well there's a number of comms pack that we're developing for all the different uh, sectors and organization types so one of them being primary care and icbs um to help support them um with the transition um and i think the key thing for them now really is um building that awareness um in their patch um of lfpsc and the changes with pserf um, and obviously the decommissioning of STICE um, uh, over the next uh, year. Um, and we're just really supporting them with any aspects that we, we can do really to um, um, help um, promote it um, and get patient safety um, much more prioritised um, and helpful in primary care really. And so those primary care improvements that we're looking at there, that's all through the online service, isn't it? That's right. So um, in larger organisations, they are using local risk management systems to submit to LFPSC. Um, generally in smaller organisations like GP practices, um, single pharmacies um, and things like that, they tend to use our web application um, and that allows them to be able to submit patient safety events um, through the system and be also be able to update those records um, with any kind of um, review information or investigations as well. And how do people uh, use that online service? Yeah, so um, the LFPSC web application is hosted on what we call NHS England um, applications platform. So it's an actual platform where there's lots of different apps that uh, NHS organisations can access. So what they need to do um, is, first of all, to register on the platform if you haven't already got an NHS England applications account or some people will call it Okta, they're more familiar with that term. Um, so all you need to do is go onto the web application. Instead of clicking in to, to start, um, there's another option which you set up an account. It's a very simple process, takes about five minutes. Um, and basically you um, will put in your name, your email address, your organisation and your role. Um, and it will um, register you on the application and it will send you an activation email. So it will ask you a password and a security question. Once you've entered that information, you're then live on the system as a standard user. Um, and the role of the standard user essentially is just to be able to submit patient safety events and be able to edit those records. There are a couple of enhanced users within LFPSC that some people may want to know about. So there is what we call an organisational user um, and that is a person within um, your site that has responsibility for the review stage essentially of the record in terms of looking at the data quality side. So they are able to see within the web application 
an oversight um, dashboard that shows them all of the patient safety incidents um, submitted for their organisation that they can go in, review, update um, and, uh, and resubmit to LFPSC as an update. Um, there is another uh, more enhanced user that have additional responsibilities to that, um, which are admin users. Um, their responsibilities are more senior within patient safety in terms of they're the ones that are responsible for documenting um, the national policy and statutory requirements uh, elements. So whether it's reportable to CQC, whether it's a serious incident or never event and potentially in the future with PSERF um, being introduced as well, being able to document the investigations and following those, the actions and recommendations that are happening. Um, those admin users can do that. And the other thing that they can do as well is they can be um, the uh, um, essential oversight of all the different user types for their site as well. So if there are, um, if there's an ad admin user uh, in an organisation, they can approve other admin user requests for their site. Um, so they're managing essentially the accounts locally. And those um, admin roles are not just for use in primary care, are they? We are also asking every provider for the time being to have at least one admin account set up on the online service, even if you're going to be using your risk management system eventually, because it's possible that um, events might be recorded um, and kind of uh, assigned to your organisation if the recorder thinks that they happened um, under your organisation's care and not theirs. Yeah, so that admin role um, is really important to have within um, even trusts that aren't planning to use the online service in the future um, because that's where you can go in and see if there are any records that have been recorded from external organisations about the care delivered by your organisation. Um, in the future we will be looking to make sure that those appear in your risk management system when you're connected to LFPSE but for the time being as a belt and braces approach um, it's important that you kind of check into there regularly and make sure that you're aware of any incidents that have kind of happened uh, in your patch um, that might have come in reported from elsewhere somewhere else in the patient pathway. The accounts sound like they almost replicate how um, my experience is within organisations of how their risk management systems are set up. So there's a, um, a standard user which can input events and edit them then there's organisational users who are the reviewers who can do the, the second part of the form, um, which is the review stage. And then there's a, a select few that are the admin users that manage the account and um, manage the organisation's risk management system. And it sounds similar to how it is in LFPSE to risk management system. Yeah, spot on. Just to, just to add as well, although we do say um, that one admin user, minimum of one admin user um, in each organisation, we do recommend probably more than that if possible, especially in larger organisations, purely and simply because to cover annual leave and sickness and things like that, it just allows um, the, the team to be able to um, access those patient safety events easily. Thank you. And and part of the NHS England applications um, uh, criteria is that there aren't shared accounts. Is that right? That's right. Everything. Uh, everybody has an individual account within LFPSC, and that allows 
um, there to be um, an audit trail of who's uh, entered the record in. Um, so if somebody wants to um, go back to speak to them about it to find out some more information, they know who, who to go to that's entered that information in there. Um, but uh, like I said, the registration process to actually um, become um, registered on the system is, is quite a quick and easy process for people. So following on from what you were saying, Hugh, about um, how the local um, processes work in terms of, you know, the standard user inputting and then reviewing um, for sort of ward managers and then it goes to sort of more corporate patient safety leads um, for for the overall ownership of those incidents. Um, it is similar and I think that's that's been apparent in the feedback as well, that there are certain parts of the questions for LFPSE where you wouldn't expect the standard user who's inputting the form to be completing and there that is more of a sort of overarching and that in that would include the compliance questions that we have um but of course we'll provide more information about that as people go live thank you both for that so what do people need to do now the next steps yeah so um obviously we covered this earlier but just to, to reiterate i think the, the the key um messages from us are um to Go onto the Futures platform if if you can um, to see any of the resources there. Um, there will be uh, some comms packs put on there shortly that you that will help you with being able to um, share that information across your organisation, including on board level. Um, and there's videos and helpful documentation for you there. Um, speak to your local risk management system. Um, about the timelines and get in contact with us at the help desk and start to talk about what your transition plans are um, or, or come on to one of our drop-in sessions and just let us know where you are at the, in the process and then we can see how we can assist you along. Um, one of the things that people have found helpful as well is um, actually discussing it with um, discussing implementation with other sites but either in your region or, or areas where they've already gone live. Um, there are some podcasts on the Future Platform from organisations that have already gone live that people may find useful. Um, and also on the, on the Futures Platform, there's a forum um, and people um, from different organisations are sharing some of their documentation and how they've implemented and things like that that people may find helpful. If you want to have a look at who has gone live in your region, we are in the process of um, having an NHS um, web page that details the organisations that have actually gone live. So when that's up and running, which will be shortly, you'll be able to see who's gone live in your region that you can contact. Fantastic. Thank you very much both uh, for joining us for this session today. I think that's been really, really interesting and hopefully loads of practical information and advice um, for providers in getting themselves set up on this service. Um, this is, as we've mentioned, one in a series of podcasts. Uh, we have a few more about um, the provider experience of connecting that Mandy just mentioned and we're recording more to come about machine learning and one for developers also so watch this space for more information in the meantime as we've said several times there's loads of information on the futures platform you can follow me and Hugh on Twitter at Lucy NHS Safety and at Hugh NHS Safety. Uh, there's also the main national patient safety Twitter account, which is at PT Safety NHS. And you can also check out our webpage for high level information about the programme overall. 
Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you to our guests for coming along and we will be back with you soon. Bye.